0: Okay, take your Bibles and ser- turn to Psalm 9 and uh, find verse 11 and that's where we're going to start tonight. And uh, we're going to see what David tells us about what we're supposed to do to respond to the well, these confusing, horrible times in which we live. It uh, really seems like you've read in Isaiah where uh, the Lord said, woe to those who call light uh, darkness light and Call evil good and all of that. Well, we're we're there, we are there, and I don't think there's any dispute about that. And um, I don't know how much worse things are going to get, but um, they certainly can get worse. And we know that that's what the Lord promised us in His Word would happen before He comes. And so we're seeing the fulfillment of that. But even just recently, boy, the pressure. And the stress and the confusion and the sadness and the grief and everything that is going on right now. Just almost overwhelming. The school shooting yesterday. Don't your hearts break when you think about those little kids and you think about their parents and you think about uh, the school officials and all of that? Horrible. And that on top of... What was it, just a week or two ago, the, the shooting in Buffalo, New York in the grocery store? And at the same time, there was a shooting in a Presbyterian church in California. And just, it's like it goes on and on and on. It's amazing and uh, also very overwhelming when we look at what our culture is doing. And um, at the same time, I, I get the, a whiff of irony when I hear some of these liberals that are saying... Oh my goodness, they're killing our children. We've got to do gun control. And at the same time, they uh, talk about abortion. Does that make any sense? And it doesn't. If you want to protect children, it looks like you would want to protect them even in the womb. But uh, such are the times in which we live. And uh, I was finding it a little bit ironic just... uh, Maybe a couple of weeks ago when the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, when he was talking about the Supreme Court possibly overturning Roe v. Wade. You know what he said? Are you ready for this? This is Mr. Support Transgender and all of the you know, uh, men can have babies and all of that kind of stuff. And he said, well, if men could get pregnant, none of this would be an issue wait a minute i thought you said men could i mean i'm i'm really confused now i mean they don't know what they're saying and that's why we always have to go back to the word of god because god is not the author of confusion so that's one of those things it breaks our heart and we don't seem to be able to handle it because we're trying to think that maybe passing some new laws would stop these shootings uh folks criminals don't obey laws in the first place do they So it's already illegal and people are doing it. That's not the answer. The answer is the human heart. How do you change the human heart? You change it with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But of course that now for well over uh, 50 pushing 60 years now has been one of those things where we can't have anything like that in our schools or uh, in the public square. And look what has happened as a result of all of that confusing confusing times and uh, the same president that would not be for banning abortion and the same president that would not be for having prayer in schools and that type of thing quotes the Bible every time he speaks at these type of events and uh, why can he do it but a schoolteacher can't isn't that strange and uh, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, then some of you might be aware that uh, even in our own denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, Sunday night, a report came out that it had been sanctioned by last year's gathering of the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, I had heard several years ago from uh, Al Moler, the president of uh, Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He was saying that there was going to be a breaking scandal that was going to be similar to the Roman Catholic priest abuse scandal. Well, it came out that uh, it's been going on in our convention. It's not widespread. Out of some 40,000 churches, there's five or 600 uh, complaints, but that's five or 600 too many. And uh, the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention, they are the ones that run the convention when it's not in session, like it will be in a couple of weeks. And uh, they have been hearing these reports of, of abuse, and then you know what they did? The same thing government bureaucrats do. They squelched them. Well, it's all come out, and it's really hitting the fan now. The Houston Chronicle found some 630 allegations and things like that. None of them are... Uh, proven or in court or anything like that but it is indisputable that our own southern baptist convention has been putting the lid on all of this kind of stuff because it would affect offerings and would affect attendance and affect reputation well now it's really affected our reputation how do we ever have any kind of moral authority to speak ...in the culture in which we live now. Because all they have to do, the media or anybody else... ...they just have to bring up this stuff. And uh, I'm convinced it's going to get worse. What a terrible thing to do and a sinful thing. And the executive committee uh, met today... ...and they repudiated a uh, 2006 document that uh, they had uh, printed and then they called for repentance among the executive committee. Well, that's a good start, but it's not entirely the answer, and there's going to be some dark days as we go through it. I wish that were the only thing that was going on. I've been, uh, this past week, seeing reports and watching videos of prominent churches, like First Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida, doing things where they are baptizing members of the LGBT community, which I would be all for if they were getting saved, but they're still active members in all of that, and they're letting them even serve in the church. Rick Warren, purpose-driven life, saddleback guy, seeker-sensitive thing, ordained women into the gospel ministry about a month ago. Things like this are going on, which, just to tell you, I'm hanging by a thread in all of this. If we're not able to get this kind of stuff corrected and turned around, then I'm not interested in our church sending money to an organization like that. It's a confusing time in which we live. And then when you look at the things that are just going on in our nation, these things around us that we have to uh, deal with, things that we have to uh, put up with, you uh, wonder what's happening and why we're in trouble. We have inflation that we can't seem to control that I'm convinced is caused by the government. We have all kinds of division. You watch election returns in uh, certain places, and it's like, what in the world is wrong with us that we're split 50-50? Both sides can't be right. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Why is it that we are so close and just um, a hair's breadth apart on being right or being dead wrong. What in the world is, has happened to common sense and that type of thing? Not to mention when you look at all of the things that are going on uh, uh, just in schools and things that are going on in just our cities and all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's just a mess. And we look and we say, well, what can we do? What can we do? I don't feel extremely empowered, do you? I don't feel like anybody's listening to me, do you? I don't feel like that my vote most of the time matters all that much, do you? And uh, when I say that, I can argue against that. And if you said it, I would probably argue with you. But I'm just telling you deep down, this is how I feel a lot of times. And I don't think that I'm alone. I think a lot of people, even on both sides, kind of feel that way. What is it that we could actually do that would make a difference? What is it that we could actually do that would correct all of this kind of stuff? I mean, it's just overwhelming, isn't it? Well, David gives us some uh, solutions in here as to what we could do. And it's got to go beyond politics, doesn't it? It's got to go beyond legislation because you can pass laws and make rules, but you can't change hearts. And these kind of things where there are pastors that are abusing members of their flock and uh, things like that, church officials that are getting involved sexually with, with people and uh, all of that kind of stuff. It's a kind of a transdenominational thing and it's hit us now. But you can make all the rules you want. You can make all the threats you want because all of these people that are involved in these things, they know it's illegal And they know, I mean, we we live in a day and age where with social media and with TV and reports and all of that, we've been hearing for years about all of this. You can't really cover it up anymore. There used to be the jokes about the pastor running off with the secretary or the deacon running off with somebody's wife in the church and all of that. But now it's uh, once anything like that happens, I mean, it just explodes and it goes viral. And you would think that, uh, well, well, have you noticed how many uh, teachers are involved with scandals with their underage students over the last 20 years? Now, wouldn't you think after that happened once or twice and it hit the Internet and went all over the place and was all over TV, wouldn't you think that that would never happen again and that it keeps happening and it keeps happening and it keeps happening and keeps happening? Wouldn't you think the first time that uh, the Roman Catholic priest child abuse thing came out, and when it hit and went everywhere, wouldn't you think that every religious organization and denomination and every clergyman and every church official and the lay leaders and all of that in all of our churches would have gone, "Woo, boy, you don't want to get involved in anything like that. Wouldn't you think that would have stopped everything? It's illegal. And yet, when you find the depravity of humans... Male and female, rich and poor, no matter what the race may be, no matter what denomination they may be in, that depravity is still at work, isn't it? And people break laws, they break rules, they dishonor themselves, read the book of Proverbs sometimes and find out what happens when you get involved in these kind of things. And yet it keeps happening and it keeps happening and it keeps happening and it keeps happening. And we look at this and we go, well, are we powerless and so I want to say to you, if we try to fight fire with fire and we try to use the world's weapons and we try to uh, use the world's wage, yes, we lose every time. We're not good at that. We don't fight well with that. But when we remember that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In other words, we've got spiritual Weapons, and we've got spiritual tools that we can use in all of this that the world is powerless to stop. And we've got to get back to that. Let me tell you what David says in Psalm 9, verses 11 through 14. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare His deeds among the people. And when He avenges blood... He remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. Have mercy on me, O Lord, and consider my trouble from those who hate me, you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may tell of your praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in your salvation. When I think about... The things that we are doing as we face these troubled times. And it's not just what goes on in the news and nationally. It's what goes on in our own homes. It's what goes on in our own neighborhoods. And it also goes down to what is happening in our own hearts. Because you and I face a lot of these things while we would never do them publicly. The problem is what is really in our heart that nobody but God sees. And we've got to battle it, and it's got to start with us. It's got to start personally. It's so easy to point fingers at Washington and Moscow and Beijing and places like that. It's so easy to point at California and New York and and, uh, Hollywood and Disney and all of those kind of things. I think what we have to do is remember, uh, as someone told me one time, whenever you point at somebody else... You've got three fingers pointing back at you. And that's where it really needs to begin. And David addresses that. And the very first thing that he tells us that we do in these kind of times, the times like he lived in, he said, number one, that we are to respond with heartfelt, sincere, and powerful worship. Did you get that? The very first thing he says is sing praises to the Lord. Well, now, David, what good is that going to do? I mean, we need need votes. We need to get together and we need to get Christians together to vote. We need to march on Washington. We need to stand up and we need all kinds of things going on. Uh, Did you live through the 80s? We did all that. What has it gotten us? We're in worse shape now than we've ever been. And all those things we talked about, vote your values and stand up for family values... And over the years I've watched as some of the most vocal politicians as well as some of the most vocal ministries that get involved in all of this, next thing you know they are falling apart because of some kind of scandal. And Mr. Family Values wasn't so family value after all, was he? And so we look at those things and we realize that what our flesh is inclined to do, we need to set that aside And we need to do what the Spirit of God wants us to do. And we need to get serious about our worship of the Lord. We've got to keep everything in perspective. We've got to look up instead of looking around. We've got to look up instead of looking down. We've got to look up instead of thinking about what everybody else can do or what we can do. And realize that in this situation we really are powerless Apart from the spiritual, our power lies in the Lord. And uh, we've got to be strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6.10, and in the power of His might. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. We've got to understand that the Lord is both over us and with us. Over us and with us. He's the one who is allowing things to happen that we don't understand. And yet at the same time, he is the one who is controlling those things. Do you realize how much worse it would be if the devil just simply had his way? Do you realize how bad it would be if depraved humans could do everything they wanted to do? Because you ain't seen nothing yet. You wait until the restraint is removed and the great tribulation is ushered in. You think it's bad now. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because the depths of evil that people have in their hearts and the work of the enemy that inspires that and eggs it on is going to be just absolutely incredible to us. And it probably hasn't even entered into your mind the kind of things that are going on. I'm going to confess a lot of the things that are going on now, I never thought I'd live to see. I knew there were little things and little movements and all of that, but I thought, oh, it'll never catch any traction. It'll never, never really catch on. Nobody will go for that. Not in my lifetime. And look how much things have changed. Uh, go out on a limb here. In the last five years, things really, really have changed. And so we look at that and we say, could it get any worse? And the answer is yes. So where are we going to turn? We've got to turn to the Lord and we've got to get really serious about our worship of the Lord because He is the one and the only one that can uh, stop any of this kind of stuff now the world should but of course it won't so who is going to do this when David says sing praises to the Lord he's not talking to lost people about that he's talking to us we've got to get serious about singing to the Lord worship, worshiping him and proclaiming his deeds among the people we've got to start talking we've got to start using the mouth that God gave us and using it For more than just complaining about the weather or talking about other things that are going on or complaining about things, it doesn't change anything. But when we start lifting up and magnifying the Lord, when we start doing that in our heart, the Bible talks about singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How much singing do you do to the Lord outside of church? How much singing do you do to the Lord that's just individual and it's coming from your heart? Do you sing to the Lord? Do you praise the Lord? Do you honor the Lord? Do you start your day with the Lord? That's where it has to start. And then it has to spread to your family, talking about the Lord. It's hard to talk about the Lord with family. I understand that. I get it. They know you too well. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And then to have it spread where it happens in the church, where you're a participator in worship and not just a spectator in worship. The devil has played a good trick on us thinking that we can come into church and while the people up on the stage may sing and they may perform, which has never been a part of worship and is not biblical, we watch the performance, we pay attention to the performance, we criticize the performance when it's supposed to be that we all participate in it making a joyful noise, as the Bible says to the Lord. But then it's got to get outside of the walls of the church to where we can talk as boldly, with kindness and with love and with discretion, of course. But we've got to be as bold outside of the church as we are inside of the church. That's what David says the first thing we have to do is it starts or it ends with our worship our sincere, enthusiastic, joyful, passionate worship of the Lord, right? And number two, how do we respond and live in these days? We've got to do it with faith in God's promises and His justice. You know, we look around and we are tempted to say like the pagan world does, where is God? Why is He allowing this? As if God is accountable to us let that sink in when the truth is this world including us we are accountable to a holy God a powerful God and so as we think about all of this we get our minds sometimes affected by everything that is around us I don't understand what God is doing I don't either but are we called to understand God And is he obligated to tell us why and what he is doing? Some of the things that are going on right now may come clear to us in a short time. It happens every once in a while. Sometimes there are things that happen and over the course of maybe a few months, maybe even a few years, we go, oh, I see why that happened. And most of us, I would venture a guess, have personal experiences Where we were going through something and at the time it seemed like God betrayed us, God abandoned us, God doesn't like us. Why has he stuck me in this? And then over time you look back and you say, I'm glad God didn't answer my prayers during that time. Because I had it wrong and now I know what God was doing during that time. And so we thank God for it now. Well, the same is true with nations. The same is true with our culture. God is doing something that we can't always see and we certainly don't understand. We're not capable of that. And this is where trust and this is where faith comes in. And so we want to respond with faith. How are you doing on that one in this world? I don't think I'm making A's. Okay, I don't think I'm flunking. I may be a C right now, you know, a C student. I had some classes that I would take where I would look at that, and I hated the class so bad, I said, hey, a C is good enough if it gets me out of here, right? But I had other classes where I wanted to make A's, wanted to work hard, wanted to know it, wanted to master it. Well, this is one where when it comes to faith, we ought to be striving for the A grade, for an A+. We ought to be the people that say, regardless of what I think, regardless of what the world says, regardless of how it feels, I will trust God. This is a test. So with faith in God's promises, are God's promises true? Does God keep His word? Has God backtracked on anything? Has God ever failed? Well, sometimes it feels like it, and yet our faith rises up and says, no, God never fails And then we're in kind of a conflict. Our head and our heart are telling us different things. And that's when we've got to believe what God has said. We don't follow our feelings. We don't follow what everybody else is doing. We don't follow the crowd. We follow what the Word of God says. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's a book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Remember that from Bible school years ago? And so that's what we have to do. The fact of the Word standing on that and on His justice. Is God an unjust judge? Is God a corrupt judge? Is God a judge that can be bought, manipulated? What is going on? Well, if God is just, then we need to tremble at His justice. And what do you think? As the world gets worse and worse and worse... What do you think is going to happen when God displays His righteous judgment? Well, why doesn't He do it now? I don't know. Can't answer that. Other than it's not His will and it's not the timing. But I would ask you to visualize that I have a bow and arrow. And I want you to think about this. The farther and the longer I pull back on the bowstring, the harder the arrow is going to hit. And as God pulls back the bowstring of His justice, as He pulls it back, it means that when it comes, it is really going to come, because God will not let sin go unpunished. Whether it's in you, or whether it's in me, or whether it's in the culture, whether it's in our nation, or whether it is halfway across the globe, God is going to deal with it. He is promised to. And so it says in verse 12, when he avenges blood, notice it didn't say if he avenges blood, the shedding of innocent blood is what that refers to. It says when he does that. And what does he do when he uh, is avenging blood? He remembers them. You know, all of the sin that's going on in the world that you and I have already forgotten about because news happens so far fast. This isn't the old days when you had NBC, ABC, and CBS, and that was it. This isn't the old days when you uh, watched the news on grandpa's TV with him, maybe at uh, 6.30 or whenever it came on in the evening, and that was the only news you heard all day until maybe 10 o'clock. It's a 24-7 news cycle, isn't it? And you get it on Twitter, you get it on Facebook, you get it on Instagram, you get it all over, you know? And we hear about it all the time, and we get so much, it's easy to forget. What were the big stories last week? What were the big stories 30 days ago? Mm, Boy, it's hard to keep track of all of that. Let me assure you of one thing. On the authority of God's Word, let me tell you this. God doesn't forget. He doesn't forget those who have wronged you. He doesn't forget those who have wronged others. He doesn't forget the stuff that goes on in darkness. He doesn't forget the stuff that happens in secret. He knows, and so he deals with all of that. And so when he avenges blood, he remembers them. Oh, look at this. He does not forget the cry of the humble. You know who that is? Those who have submitted to him as Lord and Savior of their life. They have quit trusting in themselves. They have quit asserting their own rights and uh, wanting to be king of their life and they've yielded it to Him. That's you if you're born again. And the Bible says, He does not forget the cry of the humble. Have you ever cried out to the Lord? Have you ever cried out why? Have you ever cried out to the Lord for justice? Have you ever cried out to the Lord for solutions? The Bible says He doesn't forget. He avenges He remembers. In fact, I'm reminded of Genesis 4.10. After Cain killed Abel, the Lord said this. What have you done? Listen to this. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I wonder what the Lord hears when he listens to this cursed earth that has soaked up the blood of so many people innocent people over the years through unjust war, through crime, through abortion, all of those kind of things that have gone on, organized crime, all of that kind of stuff. He hears the blood of those victims and he will avenge it. And so he is remembering our cry as the humble, the innocent, the oppressed, the unheard voices, the powerless ones. So we need to cry out to him even more. That's what David is exhorting us to do. Exodus 3, 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have, you ready? Heard their cry. The cry of whom? Slaves. Who cares what a slave thinks? Who cares what a slave cries out? Who cares what a slave is feeling? Nobody does. They're just chattel. They're just property. But God does. But God does. And if he heard them in Egypt, he hears you. And if he is hearing them in their oppression, he's hearing us as we live in this culture and as we serve him in this culture. And so uh, this is why the, the psalmist David tells us, thirdly, that we are to respond with personal repentance, dependence, and understanding. Hey folks, it is a trap sometimes whenever we see everything that's going on around us and we look around and we say, if only they would stop, life would be so much better. That's a real problem. Every drug addict you talk to, they're going to blame their addiction on somebody else. It's them, it's not me go into our prisons, sit in on a, court, a courtroom. And what's going to happen? Well, I wouldn't have done that if they hadn't done this. It's always somebody else's fault, isn't it? We do that with our children. Our children act up. Well, you know what it is? It's them. It's those other kids. Your kids are messing up my kids, is what we say. It's the way we live. It's the way we think. David is telling us, as we live in a rotten, corrupt, depraved world, quit looking at everybody else and look inside. Look to yourself. Notice what he says in verse 13. Have mercy on me. Okay, why do I need mercy? Mercy is not for the innocent. Mercy is for the guilty. Mercy is for the ones who are about to be charged. Oh Lord, I'm guilty before you. Have mercy on me. Now before I ever get to fix them, judge them, clobber them, get them straightened up, I need to get me. I need to get my life right. See, it reminds me of what God said to Israel when he said that they were to humble themselves and pray and forsake their wicked ways and then he would hear from heaven and heal their land. Notice how God was saying when you want the land to be fixed, it starts with you. Israel well the same thing would be true for us today David would say have mercy on me I'm as guilty as everybody else maybe even more so sometimes have mercy on me O Lord and consider my trouble from those who hate me you know when you serve the Lord when you're honoring the Lord when you're living for the Lord they're going to be people Well, Jesus told us if they hated me they're going to hate you get ready for it But take it to the Lord in prayer, as the hymn says. You who lift me up from the gates of death. You know, you and I would not be alive tonight had it not been for the Lord. And when we think about the problems that we have, the trouble that we have, we need to quit fixating on those things and start looking at our magnificent, wonderful, glorious, loving, powerful, worthy Lord. It's wherever you put your eyes. You don't want them on on all of the junk going on, and you don't want them just simply on yourself. You've got to look up, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's what we do. And we know that we are here because He has ordained that we live here in this time and that we're not going to die until He is ready for us. Psalm 139, 16, Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, even when as yet there was none of them. So you're not going to live a second longer than God has ordained. You're not going to die a second sooner. So enjoy your life. Be a soldier for Christ. Look up to Him. Speak up. Stand up. It's worth it. And you've got His power on your life. Number four, David says, Respond with the purpose of glorifying God evangelism and personal joy those three things are in verse 14 that I may tell of all your praise see we're supposed to be tellers getting the word out talking about it to each other yes but also to a lost and dying world tell of the praise of God in the gates of the daughter of Zion and then he says and I will rejoice in your salvation so Look at this. We're going to tell that's evangelism. We're going to praise that's glorifying God. And we're going to rejoice. That's the joy of life. Have you lost your joy? Are you letting the world steal your joy? Well, actually, it's the enemy that's stealing your joy. And you're letting them because you have power and authority and the armor of God. And you have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you have the Word of God. Don't give them your joy. Don't let them take your joy. And it's the reason why so many people, I'm just so tired. You ever heard anybody say that? You ever felt that? The Bible says in Nehemiah, in chapter 8, verse 10, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to your Lord, and do not be grieved... For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why are we so tired? Cuz we don't have joy. We're letting the world sap our joy. We're giving it to them when we shouldn't. John 15:11. Jesus said, "These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full." Have you claimed that promise lately? He said, "Well, why does all this kind of stuff matter?" You're living in the world, this broken, depraved, sinful world in which we live. And here it is. Cause if you have those four things in your life, if you have the joy of the Lord in times of inflation and all of this stuff that's going on, and you're joyful, you're gonna stick out like a sore thumb. And you're gonna be believable. Because anybody can rejoice when inflation is low and the economy is good and jobs are plentiful and the family's doing well and all of that. Anybody can rejoice in that. But what kind of idiots rejoice when times are bad? Only those who are looking up to the Lord and have the joy of the Lord being their strength. I want to show you a quick video. These are believers in Ukraine. Do they have a reason to be down Do they have a reason to be selfish and focused on themselves? I would say so from a human standpoint. But this went viral because it's not normal. These are people singing a song you'll recognize. We sing it. Let's watch it real quick. Does that make you want to repent? Heavenly Father, would you forgive us when we act like what David said in Psalm 9 is just outlandish, impossible, silly, unrealistic? Then we watch those Christians singing he will hold me fast when their country is being invaded and destroyed. Oh Lord, forgive me. Oh Lord, forgive us. In our worst of times we have it so good. And we hold the solution in our hands the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet we're so afraid we're so silent worse maybe than any of those we just don't care only you can change us and so we come to you Lord asking you change our hearts oh God please And for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and anywhere else they may be where they're under pressure where their lives are threatened where they're persecuted Whether imprisoned, we don't want to forget them. We pray for those in Muslim countries, communist countries, under cruel dictatorships. We pray for those who are being persecuted by other religions. Bless them, Lord. And let us not forget, life could be so much worse. And don't let us walk around as though somehow our God has fallen off the throne that our gracious God is no longer good and act as though you are powerless in this situation in which we find ourselves. We're here for a purpose. For such a time as this, as Mordecai said to Esther, is true of us as well. Let us not fail. Let us not fumble. Let us not fall down. And let us not ever give up.